good to hear that theme again. Well, hello there. Long time no see, huh? In case you've forgotten, my name is Brian Wright, and this is the Shellac Stack, a little program on which I play 78 RPM records from my collection, music from the first half of the 20th century. I was thinking of starting out the program by wishing you a belated Happy New Year, although we've all now seen how that has turned out, so I will uh, dispense with that and just welcome you to the program where I hope we'll have some fun this hour listening to all variety of records from the 1920s, 30s, and 1940s. There will be excuses to come as to why I've been away for so long, but you're here for the music, so let's start with that. We're going to head back to 1946, a record made in Los Angeles for the Crystalette label by a group calling itself the Crystalette All-Stars, which includes Barney Bigard on clarinet, Red Calendar on bass, Vic Dickinson on trombone, Calvin Jackson at the piano, Ray Lynn, trumpet, Alan Royce, guitar, Zuddy Singleton, drums, and Willie Smith, alto sax, an all-star group. This is Crystalette record number CR-623, a tune you'll likely recognize, Sweet Georgia Brown. Thank you. 
I might wish the trumpet player had gotten just a little bit higher right at the end there, but hey, no lack of enthusiasm or talent from those guys. The Crystalette All-Stars, Sweet Georgia Brown, recorded in 1946. And that welcomes you to this edition of the Shellac Stack. We're going to uh, soldier on now with a record by Midge Williams and her jazz jesters. Gosh, Midge Williams had a really fascinating early career, which could merit a whole program of its own. Suffice it to say, she was one of the handful of American performers who headed across the Pacific in the early to mid-1930s to perform. We often think of performers of that era heading over to Europe, to England, to France, to Germany and places, Uh, but not Midge Williams. She went out to Japan and made her very first recordings there, singing in both Japanese and English in about 1935, I think. This is a record she made about two years later when she was back in the States for the Variety label. Recorded February 26th, 1937 in New York. The song is called Let's Begin Again. Yeah. 
sweet beginning like this You shouldn't dare to, would you care to Now that we've found so much bliss Do you intend to put an end to The only real joy we've known You shouldn't try to, you know why to Because we'd both be alone Can't you see we belong together Forever and day And when I say forever I mean forever and not a day We get along now Could be wrong now To let our dreams go amiss Do you intend to put an end to A sweet beginning like this?
there you have three records spanning the years 1935 to 1942, three songs about beginnings and beginnings again. We started with Midge Williams and her Jazz Jesters, a record from 1937, Let's Begin Again. After that, it was Johnny Johnson and his orchestra, a Melatone record from 1935, Do You Intend to Put an End to a Sweet Beginning Like This? Walter Botsford, the vocalist. And we wrapped up with Oscar Alleman and his Swing Quintet, recorded in Buenos Aires, Argentina, on November 4th, 1942. Great Cole Porter song, Begin the Begin. That was Argentinian Odeon record number 45826. Yeah, I probably should have started off the whole program of New Beginnings with something like Let's Begin Again, but that record didn't quite pack the same punch as the sweet Georgia Brown, so (laughs) we had to do a little bit of shuffling. Well, as many of you know, one of the reasons, probably the reason I collect 78s, probably the reason anyone collects any kind of records, is that I like the music. That's reason number one. But the second reason is that I really enjoy the various opportunities for further exploration that these old records provide into historical events, into historical figures, into uh, all kinds of things, other cultural practices. I mean, really, the songs on 78s can really spark the imagination and lead me down all kinds of alleyways of research that I would never have expected to go. And we're going to find that is the case with these next couple of records. Uh, Both of these have to do with, or at least mention, a Hawaiian drink called Okolehau, which, to quote uh, a certain connoisseur of mixed drinks, is a sweet, funky, earthy-tasting moonshine made from the root of the tea plant, and that's T-I, not T-E-A, like you would normally associate with the word tea. The drink supposedly has its origins with Nathaniel Portlock, who was an English ship captain who was part of Captain James Cook's expedition to Hawaii in 1780. Looking to prevent scurvy among his sailors, Portlock took the root of the tea plant, baked it, and fermented it into a crude sort of beer. About 10 years later, an escaped convict from Australia named William Stevenson arrived in Hawaii as a stowaway on a ship. In Hawaii, he took the drink a step further, distilling the beer into a liquor in two large iron pots. Side by side, those two pots looked like a person's, uh, (laughs) shall we say, derriere, hence the name Okolehau, coming from Hawaiian words meaning but, (laughs) Okole, and iron, how. So the drink is iron butt. Folks, you can't make this stuff up. (laughs) Although the early recipes have been lost, the drink was highly alcoholic, probably well over a hundred proof, and it soon became a favorite of visiting sailors from the West, locals, and Hawaiian royalty, including King Kamehameha I. In 1818, under pressure from visiting Christian missionaries, Kamehameha banned Okolehau and other strong drink among native islanders, a prohibition that would last 15 years, though apparently visiting sailors and other Westerners were exempt. While Okolehau remained popular in Hawaii for the next hundred years, often mixed with cane sugar and pineapple, it never found its way off the islands, and with the importation of rum, bourbon, gin, and other spirits in the early 20th century, Okolehau fell out of favor and nearly disappeared. What survived by the 1990s was a syrupy liqueur, sold primarily to tourists and bearing little resemblance to the original Okolehau. In the past few years, though, 
one or two distilleries in Hawaii have begun making an approximation of the original Okulihau, and it is gradually finding favor once again, especially among the island's adventurous bartenders and cocktail enthusiasts. So, Glenn Robison, if you are listening, I expect a full report when and if you have a chance to taste Okolihau. <laughs> I've never tasted it myself, uh, though reading the descriptions, I'm very curious about it. Anyway, uh, Okolihau remains controversial. Its checkered history bound up with issues of colonialism and Hawaiian sovereignty. It might be a native spirit originating in Hawaii and made from native ingredients, but it was created by the outsiders that many blame for the downfall of the Hawaiian kingdom and the suffering of its indigenous people. So why am I talking about Okolihau? Well, first up, Napua Stevens will sing a song called Hawaiian Hospitality, which mentions the drink in a line that goes, And when my dream of love comes true, there will be Okolihau for two. After that, we'll hear a song called Okolihau, performed by Dolly Dawn and her Dawn Patrol, really George Hall's orchestra, from 1937. Uh, it's tuned by Robin and Ranger, and it's pretty darn good, as I think you'll hear. It was this record that really caught my ear and made me wonder, what is this Okolihau stuff? So now you know, now I know, now let's listen to some music. Here's Napua Stevens. <laughs> Along the beach at Baikiki, a handsome Connie is waiting for me. With his dark eyes and lovable charms, and very sweet Hawaiian hospitality. Beneath the moon we strolled along, and life was just like a beautiful song. And when he whispers, come into my arms, it's just the old Hawaiian hospitality. And though my heart may sob too, aloha, when I sail away, how my heart may throb to the thought of coming back someday. And when my dreams of love come true, there will be Okolihau for two A bit of Elikahau might do It's just the old Hawaiian hospitality Along the beach at Waikiki A handsome Connie is waiting for me With his dark eyes and lovable charms and very sweet Hawaiian hospitality Beneath the moon we strolled along And life was just like a beautiful song And when he whispers, come into my arms It's just the old Hawaiian hospitality And though my heart may sob too Aloha when I sail away Oh, my new. It's just the old Hawaiian hospitality. 
Coolie how, one drink, you'll think, you're Hawaiian too. Good song by Robin and Ranger. It comes from the 1937 film Waikiki Wedding, which starred Bing Crosby as a PR man who goes to Hawaii, charged with extolling the virtues of the islands. The film also featured Bob Burns, Martha Ray, and Shirley Ross. Some of the better-known songs to come out of the film include Sweet Leilani and Blue Hawaii. Oh, Coolie how. One of the lesser-remembered songs, I couldn't even find any other recordings besides this one by Dolly Dawn and her Dawn Patrol from March 31st of 1937. And before that, Napua Stevens' Hawaiian Hospitality, song by Harry Owens that was recorded in about 1949. So uh, a little excursion there to the islands to learn a little bit about their native moonshine, Okulihau, and uh, if any of you do ever have a chance to try it, let me know how it goes. 
Now, for no reason at all, here's Van Alexander and his Swing Time Band, a varsity record made in April of 1940. It's a tune credited to Maestro Alexander called Tempus Fugit. Fujit, the name of that record by Van Alexander and his Swing Time Band. It's Varsity 8250, recorded in New York in April of 1940. Well, this seems as good a time as any to address the elephant in the room. The reason so many of you have written to me over the past few months. Where have I been? Why have there been no new shellac stack programs? Well, there's one very big reason for that, which is that last summer my wife and I welcomed our first daughter. Her name is Kiyomi, though we call her Kiki for short. She was born at the end of June, fortunately very healthy, and happily she has remained so. But as any of you who are parents will know, little ones take a lot of time and a lot of energy. And uh, 
I very quickly found myself without the 10 or 12 hours a week it takes to produce the shellac stack. Yes, I know it's just an hour-long program, but by the time I pull the records, do the transfers, clean things up, uh, record it, edit it, uh, and prepare everything for you, it's really about a -a 12-hour-a-week job, and I just didn't have that kind of time with uh, the new baby to care for. So I had to take a break, um, but I'm touched by all of the emails and phone calls I received. Uh, Some very nice words uh, from people telling me how much the program means to you, and it's largely based on that encouragement that I have gotten back into the chair, gotten back into the record room, and resumed the program, though time will tell if I'm able to keep up with the once-a-week schedule. We have a more regular schedule around here now. Kiki is sleeping through the night, and she's taking regular naps, which means my wife and I have been able to reclaim some of our time, but we're still not back to where we were before the baby came along, so... We'll just have to see if I can stick to such a regular schedule going forward, but I'll do my best. And in the meantime, thanks for all the virtual cards and letters and phone calls. I really appreciate it. Okay, let's continue with some more music now. First up, Margaret Young. She was the aunt to Margaret Whiting, pop singer of the 1940s and 50s, and Margaret Young was quite popular in her own right in the early 1920s, made many, many recordings for the Brunswick label, We'll hear what I believe is the only session she recorded electrically on August 14th, 1925. Uh, That is to say that she recorded electrically at the time. She made a bit of a comeback in the 40s on the Capitol label, but um, at the time, this was her only electric session. Brunswick 2939, the name of the song is Red Hot Henry Brown. And uh, as long as we're on the topic of Henry Brown, we'll follow that with Henry Brown at the piano playing his Henry Brown Blues. Both of these inspired by our opening record of the day, Sweet Georgia Brown. Thought we'd hear some more Browns. (laughs) So first up, here's Margaret Young, Red Hot Henry Brown. This is a, a fun one, if a bit boxy sounding, but that was Brunswick's electrical process of the time. Thank you. 
or go Cause they send for him just to melt the snow He's a man that's hard to beat <laughs> The inventor of steam heat When he goes into a big cafe then it's no joke Soon as he walks in the place begins to smoke When he hearts he touches round They call him Red Hot Henry Brown Records about Henry Brown, first Red Hot Henry Brown, sung by Margaret Young in 1925, and then the Henry Brown Blues, played by pianist Henry Brown, originally recorded in Richmond, Indiana in August of 1929 and released on the Paramount label, but my copy is a repressing on the signature label from the 1940s. Well, from Henry Brown, let's turn to another person with the last name Brown, Mary Brown. First up, Harry Hudson's Melody Men tell us 
I Want to Be Alone with Mary Brown, recorded in London on July 27, 1928. form like Venus, no, she's just a trifle fat, but she's got a lot of dough, and she's single now, you know, I wanna be alone with Mary Brown. Like a million dollar gown 
How my heart would leap when she drove her jeep with the one big stripe on her arm. And it seemed to me that a PFC stood for perfect feminine charm. First class private Mary Brown. Oh, how she smiled goodbye when they shipped me out of town. Let the big guns roar, let me win this war, cause I want to hurry right back. To first class private Mary Brown, my wonderful wife. So to follow our two songs about Henry Brown, there we have two songs about Mary Brown. First, I Want to Be Alone with Mary Brown, Harry Hudson's Melody Men, a little Edison Bell radio record, number 869. Those things are only about eight inches in diameter. From 1928, we follow that with the Adrian Rollini trio, Roy Williams, the vocalist in 1944, a WOR feature record, number 1005, that was First Class Private Mary Brown. Well, with what time we have left, let's head back to the early 1920s, 1920 to be exact, for a couple of records. First, the Lakesonian Sextet on Brunswick 2044. This is one of the best-sounding acoustic records I think I've ever heard. The frequency response is just incredible. It sounds brilliant, really. This is a humoresque on themes from Verdi's opera Rigoletto. It's really quite a lot of fun. After that, for my friend Neil Siegel, some uh, vocal harmonies by the Amphion Quartet. They sing one called I Want to Be the Leader of the Band from December of 1920, Brunswick 2068. And then it's Rudy Weedoft, his famous Saxophobia. He recorded this in October of 1919, Brunswick 2015.
extra time so you get a bonus track there. Abe Lyman's California Orchestra rounding things out in 1926. Recording made in Chicago. Shake that thing. Brunswick 3069. Just a all-time all-time great hot record. That's all the time we have though for this edition of the Shellac Stack. Boy it's been fun doing this again. I hope you enjoyed the music as much as I did and I hope you'll help spread the word about the Shellac Stack to your family and friends. I hope we'll see you back here next time, which I hope won't be too long in the future, for another edition of the Shellac Stack. Until then, thanks for listening, take care, and bye-bye.